Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. And I said to them, I'm going to be a party pooper tomorrow. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, um, I would like to introduce not only a great person, but a really good friend of mine, and I'm really happy to have another Aussie on the Racket Magazine podcast, Samantha Stoza. And Sam, before you say anything, I just want people to know we're actually in Miami, and uh, we're doing this interview here, and you're going to be playing another doubles final tomorrow. Um, so this has been a great uh, week for you. And also, it is your birthday today. And you are 35 years of age. So happy birthday and thank you for joining me on the Recommending Podcast. Thanks, Stubbsy. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people request certain people and a lot of people requested you on this podcast. So, um, and I think one of the I'm great... I'm glad I can give the people what they want. Give the people what they want, <laughs> Sammy. But, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of things I like to get across on the Racket Magazine podcast is people's real personalities are really who they are. And I think people would not know a lot about you because you're pretty laid back. Um, but how, how, well, how did tennis come into your life, basically? Um, kind of by chance. When I was, yeah, about eight years old, a next-door neighbour gave me a racket for Christmas. And I've got an older brother who's eight years older than me, Daniel. And um, fortunately for me and for my younger brother, Daniel looked after us a lot after school because mum and dad ran a cafe. So... Um, he'd pick us up after school on our bikes and we'd ride home and then I got given this tennis racket and we'd go down to the park that was a few houses down and there was five tennis courts there and we'd just play every afternoon pretty much and wait for mum and dad to come home and um, kind of went from there and I eventually got a tennis lesson at Memorial Drive in Adelaide. Yeah, where the original uh, Brisbane tournament was played. Yep. 
Hey, was, did you play on grass or were you playing on no, hard court? No, it was the hard courts there. Yeah. And, um, I'm a lot older than you, so. Yeah. They, and um, I had my little group lesson eventually and then got um, a private lesson. I remember after the first group lesson, mum and dad have reminded me of this. The coach was like, oh, who, who belongs to this girl? And <laughs> they were like, oh, kid? no, what has she done? She's done something wrong here. She's going to get in trouble. And the coach, Bruce Wren, his name was, um, said, oh, she, she should probably get some private lessons. Huh. And mum and dad were like, oh, he's just trying to get more money out of us. <laughs> That's such what a is he talking Australian about? How, thing to say. Why would they even say that? And um, so, yeah, then I just got some private lessons and played fixtures on the weekends, as mm-hmm. you do. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just kept playing. Absolutely loved it. Okay, so one of the things that people are obsessed when it comes to you is the biceps. So, mm-hmm. And I get asked this question all the time you know what the hell does she do and I said I think it's pretty natural were you always like a little bit of a rock as a kid or did you like yeah I think I was always I guess looked athletic and pretty fit even if maybe I wasn't back in the day but I probably was naturally like that and both of my brothers can gain muscle super quick so are your biceps bigger than your brother no, 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 is, no, is, no. Really? No. <laughs> you sure? I think you Depends might what phase they're in. My, my younger brother especially will go through stages of like trying to get a bit bigger and then he'll have competitions with his mates about who can put on more weight and then lose it quicker, and which is just ridiculous. He's obviously got a very quick metabolism, so he can just choose what he wants to do for How certain periods. He? Yeah. And um, But, yeah, they don't really go running or anything. They go out and have a hit every now and they then. They don't do what you do. No, they certainly don't do what I do. And um, Actually, Christmas Day, all three of us got out on the court and had a little hit together for the first time in I don't know how many years, and that was actually pretty fun. Yeah, did you have a good laugh there? We did. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you think about, like, growing up in Australia and all that sort of stuff, were there people that you looked up to from Australia uh, or, you know, were you – I know who your idol is. Mm-hmm. You can tell us that. Um, but did you think that it was even remotely possible that you could be really good? Uh, well, I mean, like, I when guess does that hit? Probably, like, a 12-ish, I would say, I was starting to think, oh, I want to be a professional tennis player. But at the age of 12 – I had no idea what that meant, mm-hmm. what a life on tour was going to be, or mm-hmm. if there even was a tour, because I just would watch well, you know, from the, the old tournament on TV, like yeah. the Aussie Open, and yeah. that was it. And yeah. um, like when I was in 90, it was 93, so I must have been nine. Uh, Mum and Dad flew all of us, my brothers and them, to Melbourne for the women's final mm-hmm. of the Aussie Open when we were still living in Adelaide. And I watched Monica and Steffi play, wow. who were my two favourites, uh-huh. and I wore my outfit to the match. I had Steffi's shirt. <laughs> I probably took my racket too, who knows. <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I remember being there and watching that final. And So Steffi was your idol. Yeah, but I loved Monica as yeah, well, yeah. both of them. Yeah. And um, that was just the best day ever. And we had this, like, weekend in Melbourne, just like our family, and that was it. And then we flew home, and then that was it. So. Yeah. Even from a really young age, like that's what I kind of looked at and thought, oh, that'd be pretty cool. And then as you get older and you go to junior tournaments yeah. and you start playing more, everything just kind of goes the way you don't know any other way that it should be, but yeah. it, everything kind of fell into place for me. So I guess I was fortunate that one, I kept playing because a lot of my peers in my age group all stopped after juniors or very soon after. Why and, is that, you think? It's just. Um, I think sometimes people just don't 
enjoy the lifestyle, maybe things get a bit harder. And I mean, there were certainly times through junior trips, like my first junior trip to Europe, I was 15 in the 18s team. Mm-hmm. I was way out of my depth. Mm-hmm. I'd never been on a clay cot before and the first five <laughs> weeks were on clay. How funny is that? And then the next five weeks were on grass. <laughs> and I did not win a match. I didn't win a set on the clay. I didn't win a match until junior Wimbledon. And it's it kind was of funny. I, I laugh about that now in my head mentally because I think you would run from a grass court and you were so happy on a clay court. <laughs> totally, but I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was so young. Yeah, yeah. But I just was in the yeah in that team in the upper age group, and that, that was really hard. I remember calling home Going probably up. two, three times a day in tears. Oh, I want to come home, and got really homesick, and just wasn't enjoying it, mm-hmm. and but stuck it out. I did yeah. the whole ten weeks, like uh, ten week trip as a a long time. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but I actually think looking back now, it maybe wasn't as bad as what it felt like at the time. Yeah. But it also probably taught me a lot about resilience and sticking it out and mm-hmm. probably was, yeah, obviously a really good thing for my career. And then we did that. I did that another year after and did a bit better. But I didn't win a match at Roland Garros for five years through juniors or like qualifying anything oh my god well so, we'll get yeah. to Roland Garros but okay it's it, it quite it, now when I look back I'm like geez wow what a turnaround but I just had never seen a clay court before yeah so we'll get we'll get to that part of your career and that part of your life um in a second but one of the things that uh, that I remember, because obviously I know you pretty well, um, was the first time I saw you play Fed Cup, and um, I hadn't really seen. I don't know if I'd seen you play very much at all, if anything. And you were on the team with with mm-hmm. me, um, and you played your first singles match. And I had a little. I went to your room mm-hmm. the night before your first round, because I remember when I first played my first Fed Cup match in singles. Um, I remember f- feeling like I had an out. I was having an out of body experience mm-hmm. because it's such a different thing to play for your country. And I remember I thought, you know, I don't want to tell Sam how to play, but I thought I might want to give you a little bit of a heads up on how you're going to feel when you walk on the court. And I said, you know, this is a very different circumstance mm. when you play for your country and you're going to feel like you're a little bit not yourself. I don't know if it was true or not, mm. but one of the things I remember was the first three to four games, I thought, holy shit, this girl is so good. You were so composed. Mm-hmm. You probably didn't feel it. Yeah. You are probably shitting yourself. But I felt like me watching you, I thought, oh, this kid's going to be good one day. Yeah. Really good because of the way you handled that moment. Do yeah. you remember that moment? Yeah, yeah. I played Zuluaga. There we you go. playing Columbia yeah. and Wollongong. <laughs> yeah, and how, how did you feel? How was that experience? Uh, I was definitely nerve-wracking. You lost. Ner- but yeah, I lost 6-4 in the third. Yeah. But the way I played and my composure and what I did, I think that, I mean, I remember it. So mm-hmm. it was obviously an important time now looking back in my career mm-hmm. that, oh, even in these big moments, I've got what it takes to handle it. And mm-hmm. obviously sometimes you handle it better than others. But in a moment like that, playing for your country and you've got your team on the side and, I mean, all of you, you, Pratty and Alicia, were all far more experienced than I was mm-hmm. and I get the chance to play. Yeah, There's a bit of pressure there as well yeah. to, you know, come up with the goods, I guess, or mm-hmm. not, you know, prove your worth in the team. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think you did. I think that was great because I I do remember that and it was an amazing experience and I've obviously played many Fed Cups since then and, yeah, been able to handle that really well. Yeah, you were definitely one of the best Fed Cup players I've been around and seen play because you were always great under pressure and and it started at a very young age, which made me think you can handle the big big time. So cut to, you know, you, you sort of... Dealing with some injuries then, right, in your early mm-hmm. 20s and trying to make your way onto the tour. What was the change um, in particular um, 
when you started thinking that you should be better than what your results were showing? Um, like, what was the period of time where you thought, all right, I really can, I should be much better than I am? And, and, and I don't want to also forget that you'd also had great success in doubles at that point. Yeah. Uh, with Lisa Raymond uh, winning a couple of Grand Slams. So was it three with Lisa? Was it two with Lisa? Two and two, two finals. Two finals, one with match point, which you made up for recently. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so how much did that help you, that experience being around Lisa and winning slams? And then how did that translate into singles? Uh, well, I mean, playing with Lisa was massive because I was young when she asked me to play. And Yeah, I think uh, she dumped me for you. Yeah, actually. she did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a bit of a sore subject, but we won't get it. <laughs> but I thought, geez, wow, what a what a privilege to yeah. play with someone like that and yeah she's dumped Renee for me I better not screw this up I was like sorry Stubbsy but I'm taking this <laughs> and I, I, I had to stop playing with my partner too because I was playing with a really good friend of Brian Stewart and yeah. we just had our best result we made semis of Wimbledon mm-hmm. and we'd been doing pretty we won Sydney that year and we'd been doing pretty well and we were both at career high rankings in yeah. the top 20 yeah. and then all of a sudden this you know legend yeah, of the game asked sure. me to play and I was like oh what do I do do I go there because I think what a opportunity. opportunity or do I keep playing my friend and we're doing really well and see where that goes and that was really hard decision. choice and decision to have to make and yeah. I end up playing with Lisa and yeah. Brian was definitely a little bit upset about it at the time yeah so was I fair enough and I, I totally get it <laughs> oh, we're all over but we've all patched it up yeah, and we're still great friends we with have drinks together now. Um, and but yeah the first four uh, three four tournaments Lisa and I played we lost first round and I felt lots of pressure yeah. playing with her and oh, you know am I good enough good enough to keep playing with her and um I remember we were in San Diego we'd played we'd lost leading into the US Open and she broached the subject of stopping playing with me I didn't and know I remember this. sitting on a little grass little mound in Sing- and San Diego yeah I'm sure it was in San bloody Diego bloody hell she gave you one tournament to prove yourself uh, two no we played Stanford two Stanford and yeah. San Diego and I was like no, no, let's I, just stick it out. I we'll actually go a think little I bit won longer. those tournaments. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I was like, no, let's just go a little bit longer. Let's just see how we go. Mm. And thank God, because then we played the US Open and we won it. Mm. And then it was like, Good where did that come from? Mm. And we were playing Panetta and Dementia over in the final. And I was as nervous as what you could ever imagine. But I do remember we won or whatever it was. We were going into the third set. And I remember sitting on that changeover and I said to Lisa, it's all right, I've got it now. I'm going to start playing better. I'm not, I'm not going to be as nervous now. I'm, I'm going to play better. Did you lose the second set? Or did you win I, the We first? must have lost the second set. I'm thinking we won the first and yeah. then maybe got kind of close. Yeah, and, and you got, got a, bit, got a little bit nervous yeah. or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to be good now. And then we won the third set. It was like, oh, oh my God, I've just won a Grand Slam. Yeah. I'd, I'd won mixed at Aussie Open that year. Yeah. So I'd kind of had a bit of an experience like yeah. that. But this was... I mean, even bigger, and you're away, and yeah, yeah. in you know Arthur Ashe, and yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that moment actually was big for me. Even playing, who knows, maybe years later, playing why? the singles final there because I'd been in a big occasion and why I was, was pretty it, young. Why was it so big that moment? Were you? I think because distinctly it, remember. Well, it was the biggest thing I'd ever won, obviously, yeah. and you're on the biggest stage, and again, I'm playing with someone who I. Admired and respected. tons of respect for and admired and wanted again to not let the team down because mm-hmm. if it always felt, felt like if, it, if, it, if we were going to lose it was going to be on me mm-hmm. and I didn't want that to be the case and I really stepped up 
yeah. in that moment and we both played great and yeah. yeah I remember it and it was incredible so we didn't start out too well but then from that match uh, from that tournament sorry I think then we won like our next three or four events mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. beat you in a couple yeah. of those I got you once <laughs> and then we had a great career together. career together and then I got Lyme disease, Lyme disease yeah hold on hold on so so I want to tell this story because it's kind of funny but not funny it's actually kind of terrible but it's a little bit funny at the start so I'm playing against you at uh, Wimbledon and you know we're great mates and obviously mm. very good friends with Lisa and and uh, <clears throat> we beat you in Eastbourne the week before Kara and I Kara Black oh no it was uh, it was Kaveta Peshkin mm. at that time and I see you in the locker room at Wimbledon and I go to give you I don't know a handshake or something or t- yeah. and then I noticed that you had this lump on your neck <laughs> and I remember thinking what the hell is that and you go I know, right? What what is it? I don't know, I'm seeing the doctor. I don't know what's going on. And then and then I ended up playing you. I think the next day we played in the third round. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It was the third or fourth round. And, and I went. You beat us, and I went to shake your hand. And then I sort of looked at you and went, I don't know if I want to touch yeah. you because you were covered in this rash and everything. It was so weird, and you were kind of freaking out a little bit, which yeah. was understandable. Yeah. And then cut two. So that's Wimbledon, July, and then U.S. Open rolls around, mm-hmm. and. You, we uh, well, so I'd been home after Wimbledon. And I didn't play until U.S. Open because I went home and tried to work out what was wrong. What with was you? wrong with me? Because I'd had a bunch of different tests done at Wimbledon. Nobody could work it out. But I was getting all these different symptoms and things happening and injuries. It just and, wasn't good. Yeah. And so I went home, and they told the doctors. Then thought I had rubella, mm-hmm. and then I just thought, oh, okay, well that's happened. That's what it and is you were, and then you I were living I just, in Florida at the time so going home was not normal for you no I went back to Australia yeah. but then I thought okay we'll stuff it I'll go play US Open even though I'm underprepared and yeah. I just need to get fit again I've lost yeah. all my conditioning yeah, and yeah. that that's what I'll it go doesn't do. take long to do that no and I played singles there against Elise Cornet and I remember after three games I had no chance of winning yeah. the match I was done I yeah. was exhausted yeah. couldn't move couldn't do anything lost that and then stayed around yeah. and was training with my coach yeah. and he was like we just got to get fit again blah 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 and so we'd practice a little bit and then like go on the bike try mm-hmm. and run mm-hmm. did that for like I don't know a week or so still at the courts and then we went out <laughs> <laughs> well, I was well so you lost the doubles yeah. with Lisa and then I was out of the doubles at that time and we, we hit the town in New York City because it's normal after a Grand Slam. You go out and have a couple of drinks with your friends, but after the US Open it tends to be maybe sometimes a bit bigger because it's the last it's Grand Slam. It's been a long year. It's been a long year. So we hit the town, we go out. I was at the bar and we were ordering a lot of drinks. We got a little drunk, you know, being honest. And we leave the bar and you kept complaining the whole night. Oh, my rib. Oh, my rib. And I was like, ah, oh, you're fine, Sam. You just got a rib out or something. My chest was a bit yeah, sore. Yeah, chest and... was sore. You're all, you know, all over the shop. And I, of course, thought I was a, you know, physio that night. Or thought, a doctor. Or a doctor or whatever. <laughs> you know, I didn't even stay in a holiday inn. Anyway, I, I decided I'm going to give you a bit of a back crack, right? Remember? And I've got yep. heels on and you're like, you know, again, cobblestone streets in New York. Anyway... As we go back from me trying to crack you back, you end up falling down, and I'm attached to you. If you can remember, everybody at home, because you, you can't imagine. We're my standing arm, back to back, back with to our back arms with our arms interlocked, and you go stand back, which normally you let go of my arms, but you didn't let go of my arms. You just kept going flat down, <laughs> and you went flat down on your face. And I remember thinking, oh my god, I think you've just broken your nose. You're going to have no teeth. I rolled off your back, and I looked at you, and you looked at me, and you go, 
you go, did I hurt my chin? And meanwhile, you've got this big gash out of your chin, which I thought was actually pretty good. I thought your teeth were all going to be gone. So then, you, then you're not feeling good all of a sudden. You went to the ER yeah, by yourself. and they yes. didn't really want to look at us because they thought we were just drunk. And so we left and then woke up the physio and then explained to her. And I think she just thought we were all a bit silly. Yeah. And um, anyway, went back to hospital and then they did a couple of tests and couldn't really come up with anything. So we left, went back to the hotel um, and ended up going to somewhere else later. Yeah, it was like three days in the hospital, and yeah. not knowing what was wrong with you. And I stayed in New York for another couple of days, and then you flew down to Tampa. Flew to Tampa, and on that flight, started getting the worst headache I could remember ever having. Yeah, and got home, and then that night, just kept getting worse and worse. And no, worse. actually, I picked you up from the airport, and we took you to. You came home to my place in Tampa and had dinner at my place, and mm-hmm. you kept complaining about your head. And I was yeah. like, "Take a couple of Advil." Yeah, you know, and and then all of a sudden at six a.m. in the morning, you called me, which was very inconvenient at six a.m. <laughs> um, and I thought, "Why the hell is Sam calling me at six a.m.?" Anyway, you said to me, "Your words exact were Stubbsy." my head I feel like it's going to explode you have to take me to the ER mm. and I thought bloody hell it must be bad because you're as tough as anyone I've ever been around as far as injuries concerned so we whip you off to the ER and the guy says oh nah it's nothing you've just got a sinus infection or something and I said mm. to him are you sure because I was getting advice from some doctors as well and mm-hmm. friends of mine and physios and saying you should you should see if she's got viral meningitis I don't even know who brought that up mm. and anyway they end up giving you drugs you went back to my place, Your place. And you took the drugs, and every time you took a drug, you were just throwing up. Yeah, and then because I was allergic to that, as it turns out. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought, oh, that's so. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, though. <laughs> so then, cut to, I end up having to take into another hospital about ten o'clock at night, mm. and at about, I remember at twelve thirty at night, sitting there, and they said we're going to have to do a spinal tap, and yeah. I thought, oh my god. And they did, and then they said they came back and said you've got viral meningitis, and yeah. that's when I said, okay, mate, I'm going home. Yeah, <laughs> and I left you in the hospital by yourself, you poor thing. You told me you were going to be there no matter what, and then they told me that, and you're like, okay, see you later. No, well, what I did was I went back and got your toothbrush no, and a change of clothes, and came back the and next came morning. visited me yeah, the next yeah, day, yeah, yeah. and, and then cooked for you for a week. And anyway, but it was an incredible period of time for you because how scared were you that you're this, this was really bad? Well, yeah, because I'd never had that or obviously you know, didn't know what that kind of meant and how long it was going to take to recover and all that like I'm in Florida and you know I'm there by myself thankfully you're only a couple of minute drive away but you know it's still scary yeah it's absolutely scary and I didn't walk out of my front door for eight days I remember yeah because I just couldn't sit upright for yeah. more than like a couple of minutes and getting up and thinking okay I'm gonna go have a shower now was just like a rush to, oh, I'm going to get up, get my clothes, and I'm going to lay back down again before the headache starts. And then mm. I quickly have a shower and lay back down. Mm. And um, thank, then my dad ended up coming over as quickly as he could um, to be with me. And then I went and saw some other... Once I got over that, mm-hmm. then went and saw infectious disease doctors and took them a couple of weeks to, I guess, diagnose me with Lyme disease. disease. And then they pieced everything together, did a whole bunch of tests, and they were like, yeah, well viral meningitis is kind of going through the phases and the stages of Lyme disease so what did they tell you when you got Lyme disease how that was going to affect you for the rest of your life uh well they said you got to be super careful when you do recover because it can you can easily relapse and it can come back if you're not Mm -hmm. smart about what you're doing Mm -hmm. I mean 
probably going to be more prone to injuries. arthritis and oh. possibly injuries. So, I mean, doing what we do, you're going to be prone to that anyway. anyway. And then you put that on to top, that. it's probably not ideal. Um, and, yeah, just being really run down for a long time. And, I mean, as it turns out, I didn't play for 10 months. It was 10 months till my next event. And did it, did it worry you or scare you? Because also, you know, we sort of have a little thing in Australia with someone like Alicia Mollick, who mm. was top 10 in the world. And, you know, I really felt like Alicia could win a Grand Slam. She mm-hmm. had the game to do it. She was playing so well. And she got the middle ear infection, mm. um, which really derailed her career. Did yeah. you feel like, I mean, I know, I know you weren't really specifically thinking about someone like Alicia, but were you thinking like, shit, is this going to happen to me as well? Like, and you'd gone through a lot of injuries, shoulder problems. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think because, maybe because I had didn't know, I'd never heard of it before. Lyme's I got disease. it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe not knowing anything until then I got diagnosed with it and then you start reading about it and you learn more. I mean, now I know lots about it, but mm. I think that maybe kind of helped because it was like... Didn't freak you out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were just like, oh, I, just I feel know, better, I'm good, let's go. Naivety kind of probably yeah. helped with all that. Yeah. And, but the... I, I know in myself, I've really followed what the doctors, uh-huh. what everyone, the physios and everyone prescribed me to do when mm-hmm. I could start doing things again. Mm-hmm. I didn't do one minute more than mm-hmm. what they said mm-hmm. because they drummed it into me, especially the doctor. That's a good about, lesson for people. Yeah, about what you can and cannot do and how slow I had to come back. And I'm talking starting with a... 20 minute walk trying yeah. to keep my heart rate under 120 uh-huh. and that was so hard to stay at a slow pace to keep under 120 yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean go for a walk now and it would probably not even be 80 so yeah 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 it's a massive so change yeah a massive difference and that's but I stuck to it like you would not believe and then is that your na- nature anyway I'm pretty good at following directions. <laughs> yeah. So, like... It's a good lesson for people, though, at home or tennis players yeah. or juniors yeah. who I feel go and start too early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interestingly, here, playing right now in front of us are the Bryan brothers, you know, and Bob has said that, you know, he probably came back a little bit early with yeah. the hip injury. But, but, um, but sometimes, you know, with injuries, it's a little bit different because you have to trust the body again. And he's like, look, he's bloody $6 million man with a... Yeah. You know, with a with a fake hip but that, so it's a little different but I, I feel that tennis players often try go too early for sure 100 you know? so it's and a good lesson yeah but i think also with a illness too it's almost a bit more scary than a yeah yeah than injury. an injury yeah, yeah. yeah and i mean i went when i first played i remember flying back to the states for my first event and i went nearly a week early yeah. and i would never go a week i might go three or four days early yeah. but i went even earlier to give myself time to acclimatize get over the jet lag first slowly ease into it did it help you mentally after that injury like because at that point you were a very good singles player mm-hmm. top 30 i believe yeah top 30 uh obviously doing very well in doubles did it mentally help you to go all right this is I, I had my career almost taken away from me. For like, sure. really taken away from me. Yeah. Did it make you appreciate it more and make you... You always worked hard, but make you work even harder and mentally be better. Because that was sort of the problem. Was you didn't yeah. really trust you. I don't think you thought... I think you lacked the self-belief when oh. it really came down to it. Yeah, probably. And I think having that happen, again, quite... I was quite young in your career to mm. think, oh, geez, could I is this all going to be finished and yeah. what am I going to do because yeah. this is all I'd ever yeah, dreamt what are about you doing. Do? Well, we'll get to that later. But, <laughs> yeah, I think it really did make me stop and be like, okay, am I doing everything I possibly can? Not that I was t- 
taking shortcuts, mm. but it, there's always just that little bit more, should I, yeah, I probably could, or making the right decision to go play a different schedule mm. or something like that. And, I mean, unfortunately for Lisa and myself, she kind of wore the brunt of that because then I thought, I okay, I I'm doing great, more. but I really think I can be a better singles player. So when did that change for you? Like, when did the moment come where you, where the singles really, you went, wow, I really can't. I could be good and maybe win a slam. Mm. Well, when I first started again, because that was the absolute priority, was to get my singles career mm-hmm. on track and yep. doubles. Because I never set out to be a great doubles player. No. It just happened. Mm. And I, I love it and I wouldn't change it for anything. But having to start again, I was like, no, I need to almost kind of put... I can play all, doubles all my later in yeah. my career. <laughs> put all my eggs in one basket and start really doing everything I can for singles. And that's what I did because I thought I could be better than 30 in the world which is what I was kind of hovering around for a while and yeah and so that was kind of what helped change that so even though it was a complete disaster and something I would never want to go through if I didn't I don't know maybe I wouldn't have made that decision when I did and then who knows what could have happened so take me through those uh, French Open runs in particular like the first run to, uh, you had a great start that year remember because ironically we were playing doubles at that period of time because you were like oh, I can still play a little bit of doubles here and there yeah. and I was you were maybe being a token helping me out but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you made the semis of Miami uh, the tournament we're at right now which was a great win and you beat Dinara Safi and I remember that she was ranked number one in the world at the time Yeah. and semi-finals of Miami is a big tournament and then the run to the uh, semis, semis of the French that yeah. year and I think that's when things started changing with you, like, shit, like, I can really do damage in these big yeah. tournaments. Yeah, that that tournament in the French, that was 09. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like, okay, yeah, I can play with the best, and I know I can beat them too. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I spoke to you the day after the final, the women's final that year, and it was Danara Safina and Kuznetsova. Yeah. You lost to Kuznetsova lost to Kizzy, in three. Yeah. And I remember we were texting back and forth, and, and you said to me, because we were sharing an apartment as well um, during the French, and you said to me, I feel worse today yeah. after that final than I did when I lost. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, don't ever let it happen again. <laughs> because I think that you didn't think that you were worthy enough to win a slam. Or, yeah, probably. or maybe good enough, and you were, and I don't think you ever lost to Kuznetsova after that. If I'm well, not, it, no, I it, did later, like years yeah, later, but but, but not for a while. Yeah, but and I do I, remember for her to break serve in the third set on me, she hit an amazing backhand down the line winner mm, off mm. one of my kickers out wide, yeah. and 
she broke me, I think, to go up 3-1, and I ended up losing at 6-3. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I did anything probably wrong looking back, but maybe there was just that little bit of lack of belief, which yeah. then didn't obviously put you in the point quite enough. Yeah, yeah. I didn't play stupid or bad, no. but it was just a little bit lacking because, because maybe I didn't believe it. it. Mentally, it, the, the difference between you and Kuznetsova at that stage were that you subconsciously didn't think you were good enough to win a slam, and she knew she was. Yeah, well, and she'd done it once before. Exactly, <laughs> and that was the difference, I think, yeah. that won her that match in particular. So then cut to the next year. You played a phenomenal French Open. You uh-huh. beat, believe it or not, Serena, Henan, yeah. and Yankovic, yeah. which to people at home at that time of their careers was phenomenal mm-hmm. to beat those three. And then you play Schiavone in the final, who you'd beaten in the first round of the French the year, year before, before. <laughs> believe it or not. And you pretty much scored Schiavone. But um, what did you learn from that loss that then translated to <coughs> the US Open victory? Uh, well, it took me probably <laughs> the best part of a year to get over that match almost. I mean, not I could not watch it. I yeah. never watched it, and then it, I don't think it was until the French Open the next year. I was sitting in the cafe like, before the tournament, and they just had it on replay. And I'm kind of no matter where I looked, it was on all the TVs, and you're so like, I was oh, forced to it. see it. And it was brutal because I was the favourite going into that match yes. with my ranking, who I'd beaten You'd all beaten the rounds her before. So many times, prior. and unfortunately, yeah, I she played it great. She played amazing, and she played much better than what she had against me she obviously thought going into the match if I don't do something different and I don't take these risks I'm not going to win and And she did she did and on that day in the biggest moment she stepped up and she executed it and she deserved to win Mm -hmm. whereas I was still probably a little bit scared and then she was playing really well and I was aggressive too yeah a bit oh what's happening happening here what am I doing where do I go yeah and it was kind of one of those matches so again once I could watch it and <laughs> see what actually happened and see it for what it was, not what I felt it was, it allowed me to move on from that and probably think, all right, I'm not going to let that happen again. So the US Open rolls around. You'd beaten Serena a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You almost beat her also in Sydney. So you mm. technically at that point you'd had two wins against her. I two believe. wins and, and yeah, one match point almost in another. win in yeah. Sydney. Why was it about going into that match that you really believed that you could win? That helped you so much because, um, you know, look, Serena played a really late night match two nights before. You'd played one really great tennis going into the final. You My schedule it. was screwed during that yeah. whole tournament as yeah. well. So yeah. there was a whole heap of stuff going on in the background that nobody at home no. on TV well, tell would us. ever... Well, there was rain delays, back-to-back matches. I had my... Uh, the match I played with, I think it was Kirilenko. We were meant to be on centre court, I you think. got moved to grandstand. got moved to grandstand last minute but had to then be held for like another hour and then it was all about I think Andy Roddick was playing Mm -hmm. maybe and they were like no that's going to go on and then we're not going to put you on there it was just a whole bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and um yeah rain delays and whatever so it was as difficult for you it was hard so we played on grandstand a little bit earlier in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and going into Serena's match starting they told us that there was going to be a bunch of fireworks happening and they're like no no it's not going to disrupt your match all of a sudden, there's fireworks going oh off and God. all this stuff. Anyway, so I finished, beat Kerber. Yes, Serena finished late. But for whatever reason, I had no doubt in my mind that I could win that match the following day. And I remember getting out of the van 
myself and all the, my team that were there. And we rocked up to our hotel and we were getting out and we got all that stuff out of the back. And we were all kind of standing there, deciding, all right, dinner, what are we doing <laughs> for the yeah. rest of the night? Like, you're yeah. playing a final tomorrow, what yeah. are we doing? And I turned and I said to them, I'm going to be a party pooper tomorrow. And I don't know, I would never normally outwardly say something like that to be confident. Meaning what? Oh, you're going to be oh, a was, party, you were going to be was, a party pooper yeah, for because, Serena. Yeah, because, I mean, she's American, playing US Open, it was kind of this dream comeback of hers. Yeah. It was the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Like, it was yeah. a massive yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And I was not expected. Like, it was oh, all about Serena. It was all about Serena to win the event. And even watching on TV, the whole tournament, every day you'd watch it, it was all about nobody else was going to win the tournament except yeah, Serena. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, I'm going to be a party pooper tomorrow. Wow. And I went to bed and obviously played great yeah, but played great as soon as I was in the final I just really believed I could win okay so take us through that match because you know obviously everybody remembers the situation with uh, Naomi and Serena at the US Open last year but you were well actually no we, she, no we Kim. Kim Kim look Serena's had her issues at the US Open <laughs> and listen I'm friends with Serena I mean I love her and I love her crazy but um Kim had the situation and then you also had a situation where the umpire called hindrance. Yes. Take me through that exact moment. Oh. Yeah, so we played the point, and I'd heard her yell and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah she and said, come on. She said, come on, because she, she was hit a, winner. hit a winner and I had no chance of getting it. And then the umpire called hindrance and gave me the point. Yeah. And I was a bit, in all honesty, I was a bit confused about what was going on, and that was game point then so we were changing ends yeah but I was like am I getting the point is that the rule I'm not really sure and then I remember (laughs) looking up to my box and my manager was standing up and he's like change ends change ends and like motioning change ends and I was like I don't know what to do yeah Yeah. I don't know what to do and um so I walked to the chair and went but yeah sat down and then we all know what happened and she I, I actually couldn't hear anything she was saying because yeah. it was so loud in there yeah. which is probably a good thing so I just sat there and focused and then won that first set and I remember um how the, the crowd must have been I mean what oh, it was experience in, last year was 10 times possibly five times worse than you maybe twice as bad as you but it was pretty bad yeah no did no did you no. feel like digging a hole uh, the thing was because I mean they were obviously pro Serena which was totally expected and absolutely fine by me but because I was playing well I hadn't given her really a chance to get yeah. into the match so for the crowd to want someone to win there wasn't a lot going on for them to keep cheering and yeah, be yeah, yeah. super enthused about what was going on up yeah. until that point and then when that happened she obviously got angry and then the crowd got behind her and I don't think they were they weren't against me but they wanted to see this contest and the worst part about it is he didn't have your glasses on so you could hide behind them <laughs> because it was nighttime match um and so yeah it, it was it was just a massive turnaround and then yeah I after I won that first set I if a microphone was anywhere near me it would have picked up my heart beat because it was pumping out of my chest because I was like oh my god I'm a set up on Serena in the final of the US Open. 
And all and, these people. And doing all these people don't want me to win. <laughs> and um, what do you tell yourself? Oh, it was just. What do you tell yourself to calm down? Um, what did you tell yourself? I guess. I I just went to thinking about what I had to do to play the points. It went total tactical, tactical mode. That was it. So you you get to match point and you've got. Well, to- actually, firstly, let me say this is actually kind of. Yeah, I don't know if I've really told this story much, but so then when the crowd started going against me, there was a really important couple of games, and she almost started running away with the second set early on, mm-hmm. and then we had this point, and we were both at the net reflex volleys there was two or three or four volleys back and forth and I hit a backhand cross-court volley winner past her as I was turning around to go back to the baseline I saw out the corner of my eye her clap the point on her racket Mm. and for some reason that settled me oh that's so this is why we love the podcast yeah because that is an amazing thing to know I saw that and I thought I'm alright she's not pissed at me (laughs) I don't know why that would even matter well, but that no, was kind tell of what that it, tells that tells you a lot about the respect level yeah. that every single player, including well, you, who had beaten her, yeah. her twice, yeah. has for her. Yeah, that that you saw out of the corner of your eye, her going, "Okay, she clapped that. Wow. Okay, she's not mad at me. Okay, relax." Yeah, I'm and, okay and now. You didn't care what the crowd thought. No, you actually cared about what she thought. Yeah, that's so interesting. So then, turned around, play the next point. Held, broke, whatever was going on, and the heart then rate went from 180 to did to maybe a bit normal yeah, again, yeah. and then I won the set six three, and but wait, the match was over. But wait, so match point, <laughs> match point, when you get match point and she misses that first serve, yeah, I know the shot you hit, obviously. You well, she'd had a match point before, yeah. and we'd had a longer rally, and mm-hmm. she hit a uh, smash for a winner, and then we played juice point, I won that, and you get that forehand, and what do you tell yourself? And what did you tell yourself after it was like? Uh, well, when she missed that first serve, I was like, okay, this is good. Go I, I knew that I was going to hit a forehand on the return. I just, there was no chance I wasn't going to hit a forehand and there was no chance it wasn't going to go off. Because yeah. I'd hit a inside, ton of winners. Inside out. Yeah, yeah. I'd hit a ton of winners that way and I was just hitting it great. And so it was just... Were you shaking? Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I definitely was the first match point. And probably the second one, I was a little bit yeah. better, but definitely had the jelly legs. I loved, and, I loved your reaction. Yeah. It was just a reaction of, I can't believe this just fucking happened. Yeah, oh, this it is, was incredible. Yeah, and I, going back, like, and then I went up into the box and yeah. did all that. Yeah. But I kind of, it, it felt so surreal yeah. and almost like out of body. Yeah, I wish I could almost go back into that and really experience it. To, yeah. In, Almost kind of not enjoy it more, but just almost not take what it, it felt like in. more, yeah, it because in. it was just so kind of, oh, like crazy, crazy. Yeah. wow. And also with what happened with the crowd and everything, you're just like, oh my god, this mm. is just. Did you party that night? Uh yeah, but well, we found well, of course, <laughs> nobody had organised anything, of course, because it was. I mean, it was all just even though rush. you said you're going to be a party pooper. Well, yeah, exactly. So we actually um, killer who my manager. He must have gone out a couple of nights during the week and had oh, a few Oh, that's drinks. a real shocker. And um, anyway, I knew of this bar just a couple of blocks away and he's like, let's just go there. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, whatever, that's fine. And I remember he went down the street and ordered, got some, like, takeaway pizzas from one of those <laughs> corner places. So classy. Just won, well, like, ten You pizzas. just won, like, two million bucks, but let's go get some $2 pizzas and raise. Sat, and sat at the back of this bar. But it was perfect. Like, it was actually Perfect great. for you. It was perfect. I didn't want to... I actually... 
because when we got back to the hotel, we were like, okay, let's try and find a restaurant. We'll do something. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want a full nah, sit down formal I'm meal. Not let's classy. All just, it's not about being classy. It was just <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just enjoy and have like a bit of a party. Yeah, let's pretend we're at home in the backyard. Yeah, having a beer. So it was having good. some pizza. And I, I went to sleep. I don't know, like three or four or something, and was up at seven to yeah, do all the media, media and, and stuff. Yeah. How uh, you know. How much pressure then, you know, you go back to Australia, you know, we know the sordid having to play in Australia and it's always been your dream to do well there, but it's also difficult because um, there was so much pressure on you after that, mm. you know. And well, it's, dif- it's difficult because, one, you're playing back in Australia anyway and I'd always found it hard to play my best there for a multiple different amount of reasons. But then you just won the US Open, the last Grand Slam that anyone mm. remembers watching. Mm. So they just think, oh, well, you're gonna you should do, it, do again. it again. Yeah. Like, why Why wouldn't you? Yeah, that's yeah. just what you do. Yeah. And it's not that simple. Yeah. And actually, that's why this year, watching Naomi go back to did. back and play well also in Japan only a couple of weeks after the US Open yeah. was even probably more impressive because yeah. it it's... Not it's so an easy. It's not, yeah. It's not a given does that you win one you... Grand Slam and then you just go on and win, you know, more. Yeah, I was going to say, does that make you special? But that kind of makes you sound like shit. Just facts. You're you're, you're impressed by what she's by what done. she did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The difficulties for you over the last um, you know three or four years with the singles has been a little bit up and down, mm. um, and the pressure that you still feel to do well, and you work so hard. You still work as hard as anybody I know on the court, off the court. Um, and you're a pretty sensitive person. Like, people don't see that about you. Yeah. You know, you, like, because you wear I the cry car. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, you know, I, I like to tell these stories because you and I are good friends. And I've been with you through a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. And I do remember I was with you in um, Asia a couple of years ago. And you came off the court in Hong Kong. Oh, my God. And it was such a hard period of your career because you really were struggling. Um, and I remember you walked off the court in a match that you should have won you know, against somebody that you should beat. And I remember when you came off the court and you're usually, ah, it'll be right, I'm okay, you know, mm. I played okay. And you're always looking, you're always somebody that's always spoken in press about, it's fine, I'll be fine. And, you know, some of us are always like, Sam, it's not fine, just admit it, you know what <laughs> I mean? like, I'll bounce back, yeah, I'll, yeah, get yeah, yeah. I'll, get like, oh, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. Typical Sam, but you know what, also when I think about it, bloody hell, good for you to be able to do that as a tennis player. But I remember you came off the court and you sat there and you just cried. Yeah. And I, I think I might have cried with you because I don't think I've ever seen you like that. And you just said, I just, I can't remember the words that you said, but I remember thinking, bloody hell. Like, these are the things that people don't see as all the back stuff. Mm. You know, all the, the days where you cry by yourself. Yeah. You've probably done that a lot of times that people don't know about. For sure. You know, and you've hidden behind your glasses in matches. And I will tell you a funny story. I was t- talking to, I think, Andrew Peckovich a couple of weeks ago, and she's like, you know, when Sam has her glasses on, it's so much harder to play her because you just don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, but when you see her with a light, I sometimes think, oh, she's a bit worried. And I go, I feel the same way when I played her in doubles. It used to drive me crazy. I'm like, is she pissed? Is she upset? What's going on? You know, so the glasses kind of have helped over the years. But, um, you know, those are the things that people don't realise and you've had to dig yourself out of those holes. Yeah. How much did it mean to you after, I know, and you know how much I'm protective of you as a friend, but, you know, people on Twitter and when is Sam going to retire and this is a joke and we're losing it and it's an embarrassment. Oh, these are the things that people say. No, I know. You know what they say. Oh, I've banned a few people. <laughs> yeah, blocked a few people, yeah. banned a few people. How satisfying was that Australian Open doubles victory for you? Oh, yeah, that was amazing because um, it just kind of 
to be back. Be, be honest. No, no, it was incredible. And You um, just wanted to middle finger everybody. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> a little bit. Well, the great thing was I actually was a bit surprised how many people really took notice of me winning it. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're in Australia, so it's a bit yeah, more yeah, probably yeah, yeah. easy to know. But even the week later, I was up in Sydney walking through Bondi Junction Shopping Centre trying to find some sheets for my bed. <laughs> And um, you can order I had it on Amazon. quite a few people just see me and come up and be like, that was amazing. I'm so, oh, my God, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for what you do. And, like, we're really proud of me. And I was like, wow, far out. Like, I was in the US actually... Open and nobody knew who I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was really nice, actually. And I think to be home and I didn't have to rush off and go to another event so I could actually stay home, enjoy it with my family that were there, my yeah. friends. Um, and just achieve something that I hadn't achieved for yeah. such a long time. And you, and you, and preface years and years before, you and Lisa Raymond had a match point to win the Australian Open. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> two match points to win the Australian Open. Yeah, and you didn't win. So I remember Lisa tweeted, "Way to get the title." You yeah, know? and I, I randomly gave the trophy out, there, mm. which was asked to be at, at like halfway through the match. Um, which was funny because I know that you were kind of looking at me in the president's box through the match. Yeah, because I was, I was like, why would she leave now? That is so bizarre. Well, well, And you asked me for a ticket. So I was like, well, why would she be asking me for a ticket if she's sitting in the press race well, and now she leaves? I the was president, like, what? The president, Jane Hadlika, had asked me if I wanted to come and watch in the president's box yeah. at the last minute. I thought, well, shit, I don't even need a ticket from Sam. I'm going to get the best seat in the house. Well, totally. So I was sitting right behind the court and... You didn't know that. Did you know that? Did I tell no, you? I didn't know that. And you then all of a sudden you looked up and you saw me, which was good because we're mates. And obviously, you know, sometimes it's nice to have a random person in the crowd that you can. It actually out. really was because you know, our team were down the other yeah, end. Yeah, down court. the other end. So you would look at me and I was like, you know, as long as I could be a positive influence on you in some way, nodding my head or yeah. good job, Sam. I couldn't really be vocal because I was sitting in the president's box. Maybe a good thing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. You're fucking funny. Cut two, at some point the career is going to be over. Yeah. Have you thought about what you're going to do? Because I think it's one of the most difficult things and it's what not is it's not spoken about enough. Yeah. Is what are you going to do when you transit? Look, you, you, you probably don't have to work ever again in your life. You've got enough money to at least no, invest it. No, you've got to do something. You no, want no, to I do know, something. But, but what, have you thought about what you would like to do? Yeah. Because um, I think it's important for your posts get retiring mm. knowing what you kind of want to do afterwards oh uh, yes and um if there was my coach who I had for a couple of years last year and the year before Josh, Josh Eagle mm. if there was one thing he really drummed home to me it was just start thinking about what yeah. you want to do after yeah. he's like may not happen for two years five years whatever you. however long I think it helps you in your career yeah but he was like honestly from himself his wife was Barbara Barbara Shett who was a player and everything he's like I'm telling you it's harder than you think and just start thinking about things and having some ideas and oh my you know ask this person this or Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. find out what's going on over there and just start growing a bit of a list of things that you may want to try and um, that I I know is important and I, I think we've all seen enough tennis players and sports people go from their career and get pretty lost and not know what to do and it is a really hard transition which I'm sure is going to be really hard for me as well. And it has nothing to do with your set um, monetarily it's the fact that for your entire life, Mm. I know this myself, you are structured 
you have an idea every day you wake up what your plan is. Yeah. To work out, to play tennis, is to get better. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, that's gone. Yeah. And you, most people retire at 65 and 70. Yeah. You're retiring at 35, 40. It's a lot of it's life It's a lot of life left. Yeah. And it, you can, well, like I said, I'm you, very good at following direction. So you if are, I don't have direction, can't, you, oh my God, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah, so what are you going to do? Well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'd, I think I'm, I would love to stay in, in tennis. Yeah. I've been, I've, it's been my life. I've loved it. There's been some obviously hard moments, but it's I could not imagine putting down my rackets and not competing and be like, nah, I'm done with it. Don't want anything. Don't to want to be do a triathlete it. or something like that. No. Do something like that. Well, I might do like one of those adventure course things. I think that'd you be do pretty like fun. That. I actually love favorite hiking thing to now. Do? Favorite thing to do outside of tennis? Oh, I love going to the beach. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've really gotten into hiking, camping. Uh-huh. When I've done you don't it a couple mind of times. schlepping it in the old two-man tent. No, and surprisingly, not showering for five days. Well, that doesn't okay. surprise me. Well, I have like four a day normally. No, that's true. So but you're usually sweating. That's why. <laughs> All right, but anyway, yeah, I, I know that I've got to do. But I would definitely stay in tennis. I know that 100. percent We're going to do little quick questions. Most difficult, like what that I've ever had. Yeah, most difficult day that you can remember. Oh. Like, Probably a day after losing a match that I thought I should win, and then questioning, do I want to keep playing because it's really hard. The French Open? Oh, no, any, no, no, not the French any. Open, but just, just probably any. more recent yeah. few years and yeah. then struggling with different things. And yeah. it's like, oh, do I want to keep putting myself on the line to go through this? Because if I'm not playing, well, I don't have to feel this bad. Yeah. But then when you win and you do something great, that's incredible and you know that that's not going to be easy to achieve either. So I think yeah. it's it's just a, yeah, it, it, they're those little moments where you kind of have that bit of doubt maybe and question do I want to keep Going. putting myself out there? Yeah, yeah. And and for scrutiny as well, because I'm you're pretty, as I said, you're a sensitive person, so you're probably like, well, what are people saying? And, oh well, you know, I mean, you know as well when you're playing when, as a tennis player, I think especially because it's an individual sport. So at the end of the day, you're out there and it's on you whether you win, lose, play well, play mm-hmm. bad, do whatever. Everyone has an opinion, mm-hmm. and yeah, whether yeah. or not they warrant having an opinion or not, yeah. it's okay. It seems okay to like scrutinise an athlete. Yeah, that you don't even know. That you don't or even what, know. But yet, like for. we we don't scrutinise someone who you know writes a bad article or yeah, yeah, yeah. packs the shopping badly or you know like packs you know the shopping. I don't know. I'm That's trying to think of something thing. that you might get angry yeah, about. How dare you put yeah. the chicken in there before, with the bananas? It's <laughs> terrible. Packing. No, but like things that we're always on the line. Mm. Yeah. And we, we get told what we do really well. Yeah. But it's like For just the people as much, who want to be your friends. Yeah. But just as much like when you mess up a shot or whatever and the whole crowd goes, oh. And you're like, like trust everyone, me. You want to stop and go, okay, let me just say something. Guys, <laughs> I'm really trying. Okay. So just, guys. I mean, that's break. a natural thing. I do that too when I watch matches. But yeah. you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you're always on the line and under the scrutiny possibly of others and others your coach because your coach doesn't always tell you what you're doing well no but i think as a player i've been pretty good at being able to handle those hard conversations with my coaches people around me to make me better because i know they're being it's honest. They being honest they care about and you. i respect that and they care about me and they only want to see me do better and i think that has always been part of why i've been able to bounce back because all right they don't want to tell you something bad and see you you know tearing up and yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, no, it pretty it's not easy see. no it was pretty hard to so see. i know they're only doing that to make me better and that's why i think i've been able to constantly think yep i can 
get better and do this. Other than winning the US Open, because I know that's got to be the highlight of your life and mm. career. Funniest match, funniest thing that happened to you on the court. Do you remember anything? <sighs> Skirt broke, you know. No, no, no. Oh, I know one thing that I want to talk about with you, the bloody lip gloss thing. I mean, nobody has lip glossed their lips more than you in a match. <laughs> you know, it's people sun protection. Is people take <laughs> take a look at Sam every time she plays. Every single is it every single cut, changeover? No, no, no. You've I've actually down. cut back. Oh, cuz I'm pretty sure it's not really good for you. Yeah. Pro- probably <laughs> not. Probably not. Anyway, depends um, on the climate we're in. Indian Wells, it comes out a lot more than Miami, <laughs> Dubai, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, the desert. Yeah, the dry places I don't like. All right, what? How do you want to finish your career? And how, what do you? What do you want? What do you want people? If, and FYI, you should have won the Karen Kransky Award once in your career. Just I'm just putting that out there, okay? Because I think mm. it's, no, nothing against Petra, who's won it like 38 times. Share it around. Share it around, okay? <laughs> Petra, put a put a vote in for Sam, okay? Seriously, because is that the most important thing for you when you finish your career? Is that ultimately in the end? Well, what what is the most? Important yeah, I mean, thing? I'd like to be, I guess, remembered as a person who just gave it their best and tried every time they went out of court to play well be respectful, mm-hmm. give it your best. And I've never heard a, get a grudge against someone who's beaten me, whether I think they beat me or I beat myself, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of shake hands and whatever, move on with the next day. And just, yeah, I've been a pretty good player. I've won some amazing events. I've had a great life out of it. But, yeah, just someone who tried their best. Well, I'm putting a vote in for the Karen Kransky Award for this year, and if you don't get it, I'm going to be really pissed. Okay, so everybody out there, okay, vote for Sam for the Karen Kransky. And it's funny because we just watched Ash Barty win yep. here in Miami, and she reminds me so much of you, but you live, you grew up about an hour away from each other. You grew up on the Gold Coast. You grew up on Ipswich. Ipswich, yeah. So I think it's also part of that DNA of just being super relaxed, and I think you've, you've brought these young players, someone like, of course, Ash, to believe that she can do what she did today because of what you've done 10 years prior to her and throughout oh, your thanks. career so um, yeah and you're you're a good you're what people don't realize about you is that you're a great conversationalist mm-hmm. ex- except you don't seem like it because you're quiet yeah I'm but when you're one on one you are a great conversationalist and you know you love the game and you I can have a lot to say Oh, really? <laughs> God, we could be here for bloody hours. I mean, everyone thinks I'm a chatterbox. I think you're worse than me. Should we go out for your birthday? Yeah, why not? Let's yeah. do it. Should we have a drink? Oh, no, you got a phone no. tomorrow. I'll have a drink tomorrow. I'll have drinks for you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate Thanks, it. Stubbsy. All right. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.